Amen. This morning, we are back in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, if you remember, uh, and to give you a little recap, Ephesians chapter 1 to 3 give us an example of who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, the, the blessings that we have now as a part of this family in Christ, the spiritual blessings, the, the, the adoption, because we are born again, because we are his son, his daughter, God has given us all these great things. In Ephesians 4 through 6, we are now going to be talking about how to, how to remain in Christ, how to apply and, and, and get the most from what God has given us, how to apply these things, how to apply the blessings in our lives that he's given us. In, in, in chapter 4, we left off on the new life that we have in Christ. That was in uh, chapter 4. We're going to be focusing on verses uh, 17 and down. The new life that we have in Christ. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things this morning because I believe it's very important. Number one, we understand now through what we've read in Hebrews and what we're reading in Ephesians that, that we are saved by grace. It is not the sin that will separate you from God, right? It, you don't lose your salvation once you sin, but rather it's the attitude of your heart that separates you from the Lord. Amen. We, in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, there's a story that I want to read really quick. It says that Jesus was given a parable. And he said in verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and another a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, God, thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified, Rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, Jesus makes a distinction here. That it wasn't the sin that separated this tax collector from God. Matter of fact, his humility brought him closer to God. See, it, it was the attitude. And if you focus on the Pharisee, he was, he was doing everything right according to the law and according to what he thought was okay. But his attitude, his attitude towards sin is what separated him away. Now, the question will arise as we live in Christ, as we develop this relationship, the question will arise why do I keep on doing the things that I know are wrong? Why is it so hard to let go of the things that I know are damaging? 
And, and this is a focus that, that we're going to be looking at this morning because as we start to, uh, uh, you know, discover and, and talk about what it is to walk in the Spirit, what it is to walk worthy of the calling, what you're going to come to understand is it's, it's a journey. It's a journey where, where we don't always just start walking and, and everything is just fine. As you start to walk, you start to realize there are some things that are in your way. When you begin to walk in the spirit and make the commitment to, to walk worthy of the calling, you're going to start to understand, hey, I'm, I'm carrying too much stuff. Uh, I'm, 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 you know, I have too much on me. I can't walk right. I can't walk with, with the pace that I want to because I'm carrying too many things. Many times it's, it's the unconquered sin. And I want to talk about that a little bit right now. And, and why is it difficult? And why does God allow unconquered sins in our lives? Unconquered sin can bring forth humility and understanding of God's grace. Unconquered sin is a result of our own neglect. A Christian writer from the 1600s wrote a letter to someone seeking his advice. And in it, he included this phrase. He said, sometimes God leaves people with certain unconquerable imperfections in order to deprive them of all inward self-satisfaction. Self-reliance, even in the matter, matter of curing one's faults, fosters a hidden conceit. I did it all on my own. I didn't need anybody's help. And many times, you know, if we get to the root cause, we have a pride about ourselves. And many times we want to do it on our own. And we want to find the solution and the answer. But many times God allows situations, allows imperfections so that we could draw close to him, so that we can draw from his grace and come to an understanding of his grace. Although not always the case, God will allow unconquered sin in our lives that through it we can be led to a greater understanding of his grace and to learn the meaning of humility. But in many cases, the reason for our constant moral failing, it's either the unwillingness or the ignorance to walk worthy of the calling. In Galatians 5.25, it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us, all, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And, and by no means am I saying, am I using the word ignorance as a, as a derogatory manner, but rather it's, it's knowing to do something and not being able to do it. Not having the answer or the, or the start. How do I do that? How do I walk in the spirit this morning? As we read last week, Paul gives us a comparison of what we should not do or actually two weeks ago, what we should not do versus what we should do. Now, the question begs, is Christianity merely a rule book? Is it merely do this and don't do that? 
If you think about it, if that, if that was the case, if Christianity and, and this life in Christ, if discipleship was merely about don't do this, don't do that, but you can do this. Guess what? That's called moralism. And, and, and the Bible is not a, a, a guide to just have a better life. It's not simply just how to live a better life. If that was the case, there's all kinds of programs out there. There's, there's so many things out there just to be a better person. But see, it's not just about that this morning. Let us, let us continue. It says, now, there's a purpose behind the do and the do nots, which we'll get to soon. Now, in, um, in Ephesians 4, 17, we read this two weeks ago, and I'm going to go ahead and paraphrase it for you. But what Paul was saying was this. He was saying, do not conduct yourselves as people with no purpose. Let us make the comparison. In verse 17, it says, now I say this and testify in the Lord. Whoa, what, is, what, is, what does that mean? In Paul is saying in Ephesians 17, it says, now I say this and I testify in the Lord. Paul is saying this in that phrase. He's saying, I'm about to say something to you and I'm going to bring God into the conversation. I'm going to say something to you right now, and God is going to be my witness. He says that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. In other words, don't conduct yourselves as people with no purpose. You are born again. You are a child of God. Those that are not are blind to the things of the spirit have you ever met someone that was blind to the things of the spirit you know you just you you're sharing something with that person and and inside of you man you just have this joy in this in this this thing that's happening in your spirit but they don't get it they, they don't understand it, it it's it doesn't mean the same to that person because inside they're blind to the things of god People that, that, are, that have no purpose are isolated from God because they have not come to the knowledge of his saving grace. They're isolated. They, they're, they're, not, they're not a part of the family of God. And, and, and so therefore, they, they're trying to figure out life. Have you ever met someone that, that has just been trying to figure out life? What is the meaning? Why am I here? What, what am I doing? Many times this leads people into depression and, and, and leads down, people down a path that they shouldn't go because they're constantly looking for the meaning and the purpose. But we know that are in Christ, that when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you purpose. Now, people that have no purpose harden their spiritual understanding, you know, just like when Moses, you know, went to Pharaoh and, and every time he did, he, he said, let my people go. The Bible says that Pharaoh's heart every time was hardened towards God, hardened. Didn't, didn't, you know, and, and, and I, I tell you, and, and for those that, that have also been in the situation that you, you should be aware and cautious when you harden your heart towards the spirit of God. 
Harden your heart. And, you know, that is not a good thing. People that, um, that live with no purpose are given into selfish des- desires, many times destructive. Now, all these things that Paul talked about, let's just go through it really quick so we can see the comparison. So it says in verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and even given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. Now, let us jump to verse 22 which is going to be the heart of our message this morning. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the uh, deceitful desires. And to be renewed. Say that with me together. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Amen. Now in verse 24, it says, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. Now let's think about that for a minute. Have you ever heard that phrase to be or not to be? That is the question. Anybody ever heard that? All right. Well, the scripture says here, And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And I tell you this morning to be or be, that is the difference. To be or be, that is the difference. See, there's a distinction here. A profound distinction. Verse 22 says, put off your old self. That's an active verb. Jump. We can do that. Right? We can all jump. Run. We can do that. Put off the old self. We can do that. Now, it says here, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Does it say, and be renewed? Because you know what, uh, many times, I'll be honest, I've glossed over the words and I've, I've always thought, and be renewed. Be renewed in the spirit. How do I do that? No, it doesn't say that. It says, and to be renewed. It's a big difference, that one word. And, and the point I want to make this morning is that there are things that we can do as Christians. We can put off the old man. Even right now as I'm saying it, I'm sure there are things in your life and you can say, yep, I know what I got to do. Put off the old man. The old things that I used to do. We'll, We'll get to that in a minute. But when it says, and to be renewed, means that God is telling you this morning, is telling me, put off those old things. Because I want to renew your mind. See, many times we, we are trying to figure out how do I renew my mind? How do I cleanse this mind? 
How do I do that? And, and, and this is where the Bible is not a, a self-help book. See, a self-help book is a book that you would go into Barnes and Noble and read a book on how to be a better person, and they'll give you a roadmap, and you'll try to apply that to, to, to have a, a different mindset. But what the Bible is teaching us this morning is that God wants you to dispose of those old things so he can do the new thing. He can renew your mind. See, it's not about what you could do for yourself this morning. It's, it's, it's not about, you know, whether or not you have what it takes to be a Christian. It's about you surrendering your life to Jesus and him doing the work in you. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put off the old man. See, the old always interferes with wanting to do something new. Do you get that this morning? Every time that you want to do something new, the old mindset always interferes. Now, in the industry that I work, there's something that I've always paid attention to, and that's company acquisition. See, I... I, I, can, I notice that there are, you know, these Fortune 500 companies. And they look for the startup companies that are doing really well. And they will acquire them. They will purchase those companies so that this Fortune 500 is an even bigger company. More resources. Now, one thing to note is that sometimes these Fortune 500 companies will even purchase companies that are not doing so well because it's a resource to them because now their, their reach into a certain area has now expanded. So many times they will purchase these companies that are at the brink of bankruptcy because they want that footprint in that city. See, and, and what they do is when they make this acquisition and this purchase, they will go into the company and they will eliminate the whole leadership. They will eliminate the overhead. Get them out of there. They'll keep the employees. Because the Fortune 500 company has a roadmap to success. They know what works. They have a proven solution. And so therefore, they must go into a company and remove the old leadership. Because, see, as long as the old leadership is in place, it will be an uphill battle trying to get the employees onto the new policy. See, the company wants success and knows what it needs to do to have success. But as long as the old is there, it ain't going to happen. See, and God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to bring forth a blessing that you can't even imagine. But he can't do it if the old is still there. He can't do it if, if, if you're still holding on to things that you shouldn't be. So, God has acquired you. He's purchased you. It says that through his Holy Spirit, he has sealed you. And because of that, he wants you to put off the old so that his policy can bring forth a blessing in your life. 
See, it's not about just the do and do nots. It's about God wanting to do something new in you. Now, when I read this, I thought immediately, it's like putting on socks. Now, for many of us, we change our socks every day. Unless you were me as a teenager. I would smell the sock. Not joking. No. Putting socks on every day. Taking off the old man and putting on the new man. And, and I thought about that for a minute. And um, I did a little bit of studying. So it would be common for us to make the connection that it's like putting on and off socks and changing those every day. Which I've been taught that before. But whereas replacing your socks every day is a Western culture kind of thing, where Paul was from, it was something completely different. See, the, the wealthy or those that had money in the, in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, it, it wasn't their, outer, their inner garments that would be changed. Actually, that was precious. They would sleep with it. They wouldn't change their clothes. As a matter of fact, it was against the law in the Bible uh, to give up your cloak. Matter of fact, when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and said, if someone asks, you know, even give them your cloak. Oh, man, that was like, you don't say that, Jesus. That's precious. It's like saying, and give someone your car. If they ask for your, 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 your wallet, give them your car. What? The clothes were, were precious. Clothes were something that you held on to. You, you know, back in the days, in the, in, in the New Testament days, in Paul's days, he didn't have a wardrobe with, oh, I think I'm going to wear that cloak today. Oh, I like the silver lining. I'm going to wear that one today. It wasn't like that. They had one cloak, and they wore it, and they wore it day and night. Through the nighttime, it, covered, it protected them from the cold and from the daytime, from the sun. You weren't going to let somebody have or take that cloak. It was precious. A person's cloak in, in Jesus' day was considered invaluable and irreplaceable. It provided protection, like I said. It was an outer garment worn only by those who could afford it. So now... In reading what Paul is saying here to put off the old man and put on the new man, it's kind of like clothes. But the, 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 the point I want to make is it's, it's not easy to depart from something that you've been wearing every day. It's, it's not easy to just dispose of that cloak. I mean, I've, I've been through some hard times. I've been through some difficult situations in my life, and I've, and I've held on to this pain. And I, I've, I've held on to this security, Jesus. And, and I don't want to part with this cloak that I have, because see, when I was alone, it was this cloak that kept me secure. It was this cloak that kept me safe. And now you're asking for me to put it off. See, it's not so much the sin that God is asking us 
to remove, but many times he's asking us to dispose of those things that are damaging in our lives. Maybe not so much the sins that we can name, but maybe it's the securities that he knows are not good for us. Am I making sense this morning? Now, I want to end with this story in uh, Genesis 37. Joseph, and, and I'm going to only just touch a small part of this story, and it's an amazing story. And if you want to start at verse, I mean, at chapter 37 at home and read through the whole thing, you'll be blessed. But I'm going to focus on just a short paragraph of scriptures. In Genesis 37, verse 1, it says, Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe with many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and they could not speak to him peacefully. Now, Joseph had a dream And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. There's one point I want to make this morning. Well, actually a couple, but one thought. The first thing is that Joseph's dad made him a coat with many colors. Now, I did a little bit of studying on this coat. Not only did it have many colors, which was uncommon. Usually you had one color. So it was expensive to make. But it had... Long sleeves. Now, the the coats in those days, especially the ones that his brothers had, were designed a little bit differently. They were designed to get dirty. They they didn't have any sleeves. They were a little shorter. You're able to pick them up and and, and tie them so that you can get in the fields and and shepherd the flock and, 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 and do what you had to do. Get dirty. So when they gave uh, uh, Joseph this cloak, it was a sign of royalty. It was a sign of he doesn't get his hands dirty. He doesn't do what everybody else does. It was a special cloak. I mean, coat. And and the point I want to make with that is Jesus has purchased you. He loves you. Matter of fact, we know he gave his son for us. That's how much he loves us. And when we came into God's family, it's like he gave you that coat of many colors to represent his zeal for you. And those long sleeves is to show you that you don't have to go and get dirty like you used to. Matter of fact, if, if you tried wearing a suit and, and tried, you know, going to the strawberry field on, um, up there up, uh, on the five freeway, and if you tried picking strawberries all day, how uncomfortable would you be in a suit? See, when we begin to put on the new man, we'll go and we'll try to do things that we used to do. 
And it should make us uncomfortable. It should make us have to stretch a little bit more. Maybe you're having a conversation and and you say something wrong. And I know it's happened to you, but it's happened to me. And you're like, man, why did I just say that? That was wrong. And that's the conviction, number one, of the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's the fact that you're wearing this new coat. And when you try to stretch to do something that you used to do, it should make you uncomfortable. That's what the new man does. Now, uh, there's one more point I want to make here. Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers. Now, I find it interesting that he only had the dream after he wore the, the coat. See, when you begin to put on the new man, God will begin to speak to your life. He will begin to give you new dreams. He will begin to give you purpose and desire to do those things that he is calling you to do. Joseph, when he told his dreams to his brothers, they hated him because the dreams that he had was about him coming into the the purpose that God has called him to, which which in, in his brother's eyes made them servants. That's what they thought. But as we read this, as you read the story, you'll come to know the full plan, which we won't get to this morning. But I want to leave you off on this thought. God wants to dispose the old because he has something new for you. He has a dream that he wants to put in your heart, in your spirit. And be careful who you share that dream with. Take care of that dream. Because not everybody's on board. Not everybody is rooting for you. But God gave you that dream. And God will see it come to pass. Let us bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.